the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. So no one said it was going to be easy, and if anybody told you that, well, they're not familiar with the Golden State Warriors. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the StadiumScene.tv network and part of the Overtime Media crew. The Raptors coughed up a tough one. Some might say a must-win game for Game 2. But there's plenty of basketball left, and we're going to talk all about it tonight. Joining me to discuss all things Toronto Raptors is the combo guards themselves, Adrian and Troy. What's up, guys? Here's her. So I was chilling, waiting for the summer to start. It's freezing out here in Toronto. Trust me, like I'm, I'm inside now, and I'm still freezing. <laughs> Is it that cold? Yeah, it's cold. I'm wearing a hoodie in my place. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, it's cold, man. This is not good weather for Kawhi Leonard. I tell you that. <laughs> Do you think this is, uh, you know, with June? You think he's like, shit. This is not. This is not supposed to be June weather right now. Hundred percent. I think Mother, <laughs> Mother Nature is not a Raptors fan. That's all right. That's all right. You, well, look, we got three Raptors fans right here. We're going to break all this down. Before we get into game two, we got to talk Raptors related news. And I don't want to spend a, you know, a shit ton of time on this. I don't want to focus too much on it because the past is the past. But I'd be remiss if we didn't bring it up. Um, so DeMar DeRozan had an interview released today on a Bleacher Report um, called Take It There with Taylor Rooks. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was pretty revealing. I'm sure you guys saw it. He called himself the sacrificial lamb that, you know, was the catalyst to making this Raptors team what it is today. Um, I just kind of wanted to get your your thoughts on that. Troy, we can start with you. Did you, do you. First of all, did you see the interview? Did you see the quote? And how do you feel about the way he's still kind of getting messed with with this whole trade talk from this last summer? Um so yeah, so I definitely saw the interview and I saw the quote as well. Uh, I said this actually something similar a couple, maybe like two weeks ago on our, our own podcast, and I felt that as Kawhi Leonard continues to ascend, it's almost like Demar's legacy dwindles, right? Um, amongst Raptor fans, anyway. So I agree with a lot of what he said. Um, I I don't think he might be the best at articulating himself. So it kind of comes across as kind of a bit hyperbole, hyperbole mm. <laughs> if you will. Uh, but I definitely agree in some senses, like him, Dwayne Casey, say what you say about, you know, how they performed in the playoffs and all those different shortcomings, but they're a big reason why Toronto is relevant in the first place. Like how many winning seasons uh, have they been a part of that gave us relevance, you know? So, I don't think necessarily that because he was a sacrificial lamb that Kawhi Lam or Kawhi Leonard is there rather, but I think he does have a, a role to play in just making the Toronto Raptors a respectable franchise that a player like Kawhi Leonard may want to be a part of one day. So I definitely agree, and I see with what he's saying, definitely for sure. Uh, I tend, I don't always agree with Kawhi Leonard, but I definitely do in this situation. I didn't watch the interview, but I definitely saw the quote. Um, to me, there's no question that the we the North. Like that's the blood, sweat, and tears of Dwayne Casey and DeMar DeRozan. Uh, they put they put their blood, sweat, and tears into this franchise, into this team. And without them, really, the Raptors wouldn't be in the position they are. So I do agree with DeMar in that sense. I just also feel like he's a bit too much in his feelings sometimes. Um, and I and I do want to I do like to like make fun of that, but at the same time, you know, the facts are facts. Without DeMar, who knows where the Raptors would be? It just seems kind of weird that you know. 
during an NBA Finals appearance for the Raptors, and you know, with this new heights that they're reaching, it seems weird that this sort of has to get brought up again. And I, I yeah. want to say that this interview was recorded quite a while ago. I don't think it was, you know, this close in terms of June fourth, but I, I don't know. It just seems like a little bit ill timed to put this out there with the Raptors in the final kind of bringing this up again, rehashing this when people have, for the most part, since the San Antonio game in Toronto have pretty much moved on from this. So it just seems a little odd for the timing wise. Right. And to piggyback off of what you said, like he recently had this sort of argument with Jimmy Kimmel yeah, (laughs) where he was upset about some skit they had did or whatever he didn't want that to come out but he wants this to come out Mm -hmm. so that's a that's a little kind of speaking out of both sides of your mouth um but to touch on agent's point about him being in his feelings i respect when athletes are honest because when these guys go up in their press conferences and they give us kind of the typical cliche fodder uh you know people complain about it people have things to say about it but you know we can't we can't knock a guy for being honest at the same time you know what I mean? So I, I like that he's able to just sort of share what he's feeling. I don't mind it. Um, but in terms of him and his sort of marketing with the Raptors being in the finals, <laughs> right. it is a little bit speaking out of both sides of his mouth. He needs to kind of make up his mind. Does he want to be mentioned while the finals are going on or does he want to let the team just, does he want to fall back basically? You know, so I don't, he needs to figure that out. I think he wants to be mentioned because just what a week ago he posted an instagram photo of him not needing friends yeah <laughs> like, that was also when the raptors are during i think that was the Sixers series or not the beginning of the, the final so i mean come on damar we, we see what you're trying to do here like you're not i agree with what he says but at the same time you're not fooling us right right i think it's just a little bit it, it's understood at this point and you know yeah, definitely on, on a yeah, on a previous show, I've mentioned, I think it would be maybe a little cathartic of him to show up at a game. I mean, Biz showed up at a game. JV was at a game in the postseason. So, like, I understand the wounds might still be there, and he might not be talking to Masai. There might have to be some sort of interaction between them if he were to go, or maybe not. It, it might not be necessary, um, especially with these next two games being in California. Maybe he's more apt to go to those. But I do think it would do him some good if he went just to support the team. Yeah, and he he said he keeps in touch with the team, right? Like he talks to them pretty much every day. Yeah, so I'm sure being there would be they'll they'll enjoy that. But then I could see there's a there's another world where he could get crushed for that too, right? Because it's almost like you're taking you know that there's going to be attention on you if you go to a game. You know, people are going to be talking about you like a distraction. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He just seems salty though. Like if you come out and and go to a game, you don't look as salty as them. And, and then what you're doing already with going on these interviews and posting these Instagram photos. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The sodium levels are high. The man's hurt, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's got a lot of MSG in the system. But, all right. <laughs> uh, like, I just wanted to touch on it at all just because this is sort of Raptors-related. It was dropped today. We're recording this June 4th um, in the evening. It was dropped today. So I just think that, you know, having this... Being at the forefront while the Raptors are in the NBA Finals, there's just odd timing for me, and I just wanted to see if you guys agreed, which you do. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. But um, we can move on to Game Two, and I'm sure you guys have a lot to say about it. So, um, we're gonna get deep into the third quarter because I I know that was a huge talking point for people. But um, 
Game two was a tough one. I know a lot of people regarded that as a must win for the Raptors. Um, I think any NBA Finals game is a must win. You know, if 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 you're chasing a championship, that's the whole goal. Um, so having said that, we'll start with you, Adrian. What did you notice in a general sense regarding game two? Um, what are the things that you want to see the Raptors sort of clean up? And uh, what did you notice that they can really build on for game three? Uh, definitely the communication on defense. Uh, I felt like they were def- on the pick and rolls. They just kept running towards the three-point shooters and just leaving the bigs to just slip behind the defense for those open alley-oops. I think they had like five, mm-hmm. four or five in the third quarter. So I think defense is key because... The- that's a big part of what the Raptors do, especially their half-court defense. And if that's being exposed, I mean, the Raptors are going to be in for a long, a long series. So defense, definitely. Uh, what I would like to them to, for them to do offensively is get Marcus Gasol more involved. He was a big key, obviously, in game one. And he was taking the ball into the paint and hitting his mid-range shots. And he didn't really do a lot of that in game two. And that's something I think him with his size, his intelligence, his, his playmaking ability – it's such a positive for the Raptors, and it's something that the Warriors don't have at that position. I know Cousins had a had a good game in Game Two, but he's not the playmaker. He's not the defender as Marcus always, even at this point of his career. So getting him a little bit more involved is something I want to see in Game Three. But defense as well definitely needs to be cleaned up. A little more communication. Um, well, for me, I think it was there was two things that stood out. Was um, one for the first time this postseason they looked rattled. And, you know, we could talk about the 18-0 run and kind of what that was doing. Like, during that stretch, Pascal went one of seven. Uh, so that's definitely not good. Uh, but just the quick shots and the just not really not really being prepared for the physicality. But one other thing they weren't prepared for was the playmaking of DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, we all know DeMarcus Cousins to be a devastating offensive threat. Uh, you know, when he played for the Pelicans, putting up monster 45, 20 rebound games. But in this game, he was, uh, you know, the one B distributor to Draymond, like him and Draymond were kind of picking dudes apart. So that's one wrinkle. I don't think that they were really prepared for. And that's, they're going to have to shore that up come game two, because as we saw, you know, DeMarcus went from playing eight minutes in game one to 28 minutes. So with all the injuries they have, he's going to be a big focal point. Yeah, I sort of have to eat a little bit of crow with that because I came in to game two seeing that Cousins was starting and I had a little bit of uh, overconfidence, you know, in regards to that because I was just thinking, there's no way this dude is in game shape, right? He seemed exhausted oh, yeah. after game one and watching him, I, I even tweeted out, I was like, no way he plays 20 minutes. There's just, I'm not confident that he can. There he goes again playing 28 and he had a couple of nice spin moves. I mean, like the physicality is definitely there. His basketball IQ definitely bled into this game, but it was definitely apparent. Um, but still he's a guy that not just on the, on the physical tangible aspects, but the, in terms of the intangibles, he's a guy that you can get rattled, right? He's yeah. a guy that you can definitely uh, get aggravated and take advantage of that. And I really hope to see the Raptors do that because it just seems that I know the refs, I hate blaming refs, man. I really do. But I know the refs that had a bunch of at least shitty calls. And I, I don't think it was directly geared towards the Raptors because Golden State definitely had some bad ones too. But there was a lot of calls that definitely made the Raptors less apt to be physical, less apt to attack the basketball. Maybe if they were called less fouls, maybe they would have done that more. But it just seems that, I don't know, if you can rattle Cousins' cage, I think that would work to their advantage. Yeah, yeah, and I think 
you know, rattling his cage, I think that also that also means that they have to attack him on defense, you know, like really take advantage of those switches and have advantageous uh, screeners that can do damage like that. You know, like there wasn't a lot of Pascal uh, being a screener and switching, you know, it's not a couple of times where he got the mismatch on Livingston and he produced well, but um, if he can draw cousins out of the paint and use his speed, you know, maybe get him in some foul trouble, things like that. Right. So they're going to have to attack him because that's, He's there. He's going to be their big man. He's going to be paying a lot of minutes. I don't think Kerr wants, um, like, he'll live with Andrew Bogut spelling right. him for some, but I don't think that's good. What he what he's going to want. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, the Raptors also need to hit their shots. I mean, in game one, they're five for six and uncontested threes because Cousins he's sagging a lot off the pick and roll, right? Because he knows he can't really defend anyone along the perimeter. And like in the game two, the Raptors were three for ten, so their shooting was like day and night compared to game one and two, and. I'm not, I don't want to give Cousins too much credit defensively because if all you're doing is sagging, the Raptors need to hit their shots. But they never gave him a reason to come out. So at the end of the day, to me, it's on the Raptors just to just have better offense. Don't take contested, don't take rush shots and just hit the shots you're supposed to hit. No, for sure. And that was a big, big, big reason why I think they lost. Again, we're going to get into the third quarter in a little bit more detail. But they lost by six points. I mean, five points. Right. And the game was in reach in the fourth quarter, like literally. And I'm not even trying to exaggerate here, literally in reach from Kawhi Leonard's hands. If he would have come up with that steal, this could have been a completely different ball game at the end. But when you have these wide open looks, specifically from a guy like Danny Green, who looked like he was coming around in game one and sort of went back to the Danny Green that we're familiar with in game two. And, you know, Fred Van Vliet missing a couple of wide open threes. He was two for eight. You don't want that. Um, Kawhi Leonard, two for nine from three. Like, I, I don't encourage the Raptors to play the Golden State style, but if Golden State's going to come out and nail all these threes, you sort of have to counter that with some of your own. It's not completely, but you still got to be able to hit your wide open shots. I don't know how else to explain this. So right. if they can, you know, sort of hone that in and take advantage of this depleted, shall I say, Golden State roster in game three, this is like a super ripe time for them to get their revenge, especially on the road. Yeah, like when, you know, you mentioned Kawhi and him not shooting the ball particularly well. The main difference I saw in game two is that um, despite him, you know, getting over the 30 point mark and getting to the free throw line a ton, he had to work very hard for his points um, compared to game one where he just kind of let the let the game come to him. You know, they were they were picking him up pretty high. So he just dished it off, made the easy play, but they were very physical with Kawhi. Um, you know, I said yesterday on our podcast that he was getting abused. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's something they're going to have to adjust for as well. So I don't know. It's this series is taken a, with all the injuries, it's taken such an unpredictable turn. You know what I mean? Like, um, after we left our podcast yesterday, I, I thought that, you know, game three would be a blowout, but I'm not so sure right now. <laughs> it changes kind of hour to hour. Yeah, I, I looked at game two when I saw that KD wasn't playing. I don't know if you guys saw the video on Twitter or on Instagram about uh, the warmups for KD. Like he looked terrible. He, he couldn't even lift his leg. Did you guys catch that? Oh, I didn't. I didn't see the video. I saw some clay video, but I didn't see KD. I'm convinced he's oh. not playing in this series. The whole thing, dude. Wow. No way. There's no way he's gonna play. One, sorry. One thing I was I was trying to allude to is how like important the game three is. Without Clay and Eagle Dallas seems to be a little bit compromised. Those two have been the best defenders on Kawhi this whole playoff this whole playoff run. And without them gone, Kawhi 
there's no excuse for him not to be eating up the Warriors because who else do they really have to defend him? I know Draymond Green is a great defender, but you can't match, he can't match up with Kawhi all game because that's going to take a toll out of him, and they need him to play make. Um, the Raptors also, something I alluded to on, on our part, was just to slow down the pace. I mean, in game one, they took 77 shots total. In game two, they took 94. And I think Adam, you alluded to it. When the Warriors get on their run, their pace is out of this world. Like There's a fast pace, and then there's a Warriors pace. And the Raptors can play at a fast pace, but they can't play at that Warriors pace. And for me, for them to counter that, they got to slow it down and really just work at them and beat at them. That's what the Cavs did when they won in 2016. That's what the Cavs did in game one when they almost stole it away last year in the playoffs. Just working at it and making them work it and being physical and and, break, and getting Curry to just really feel put bodies every time he's going to the net. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I think that... Th- you're right. I think that they definitely need to control the tempo because when when Golden State gets hot, especially in transition, man, they are deadly in transition. And it, what I've noticed about the Raptors, so in the regular season, they the Raptors were also very deadly in transition. You always saw these like long outlet passes from Lowry to Siakam when he, somehow he's beating the defense before the shot even is rebounded. He's already on the other end of the floor, and it's an easy bucket. With Golden State, much like Orlando, when they chuck up a shot, they just run back. They, they don't yeah. fight for the offensive rebounds. They don't really care about it. They just run back and get ready for transition defense. That is something that was missing in game one, and I think that's why they, were, they lost that game, mostly. The Raptors played very well, but when you have them playing the style of defense or when they're ready for you in transition, you're eliminating this huge part of the Raptors game that they rely on to score easily, especially from Pascal Siakam. So I, I don't know. The Raptors really need to try to control the tempo. They really, you're right. They really need to slow it down. The problem is, is that when they're chasing deficits, that's when they tend to get like iffy. That's when they tend to get naggy. That's when, you know, Kyle Lowry makes these stupid reach in fouls that mean nothing, that, that do nothing for the game. And it sort of hurts their team in the long run. So hopefully that they can clean up these mental errors and they can just sort of control the tempo and not try to match what Golden State is doing. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, for sure. They need to do that because I I want a parade in the city. <laughs> so that that's that's first and foremost what needs to happen in order for me to get that parade. Well, I just um, touched on them so we can expand on a little bit more. Siakam's game two compared to his game one was, I mean, it's not the greatest. Um, in game one, he was lights out. I, it, there was... The he proved himself to be the MIP if it wasn't proven already, and a lot of people on Twitter were saying that he has the potential to be the the Finals MVP if the Raptors were to continue to play the way they did. Ooh. Well, yeah, I know, I know. Fast <laughs> forward to Game Two, uh, not so much. He was five for eighteen from the field. He didn't hit a single three pointer, but he attempted three. Only twelve points. He was a minus four. Um, not the greatest performance to seem like Draymond Green made the adjustment. Um, does this concern you moving forward? Because if he's the number two option behind Kawhi, uh, I don't really, I don't know if that's going to be enough to beat this Warriors team. So Troy, we'll start with you. Does this performance by, uh, Siakam concern you? Definitely does because, um, 
just listening to Draymond Green's press conference in game one, he basically said, I didn't know Siakam was a guy <laughs> that he had to pay attention to. And we now see the result of Golden State paying attention. So when the key thing is that Siakam has definitely has some of his struggles outside of the restricted area. Um, in the Raptors' seven losses in the playoffs, he's shooting 6% on uncontested threes. So compared to 44% in their win. So he... It, it kind of, you know, it goes to show that when he's making his open threes, the team is in a much better position to win. But to your question about him being the second option, I think it needs to be a collective. Like Kyle Lowry can't have, he can't continue to have these bad games. Like uh, clearly he's compromised with his thumb, um, you know, as much as the Warriors. This is the thing about the Warriors. They have so much talent that they can withstand their injuries. We clearly cannot. Like if Lowry's going to continue playing at that level in game two, um, and Siakam play the, playing at that level as well, like we're going to be in trouble. So I think it has to be a collection of different players to sort of make up that number two option. Everybody has to come to play. Um, but the key thing is that with Siakam is he has to make his open shots because when he's doing that, it opens up his ability to attack, uh, to attack the paint. Um, and, you know, the thing about Draymond Green is he's the ultimate competitor. I, th- I think he definitely meant it when he said he wants to take him out of the series. So... Uh, he's going to have to be as aggressive as he was in game one, but under control. And that's the key is that you can be aggressive, but under control. If you're kind of just flying all over the place and making really anxious decisions against a defender like Draymond Green, it's not going to pay dividends. Yeah. And I'm going to just piggyback on for choice. And also what you alluded to Adams, their transition defense is, how the Warriors just got back and it's completely eliminated Pascal in the transition. And one of the reasons why the Raptors are such a great transition team is because Pascal Siakam was like one of the best players in transition. So the Warriors making a conscious effort to get back on D and take that away. Obviously it really hurt the Raptors and can really hurt the Pascal going forward in this series. And but like Troy alluded to, when he's not hitting his shots, the Raptors are not going to win. And that just shows his importance to this team on offense. And I just don't know how Pascal is like he he's to me hands down the most improved player but I don't think he's at a level of his career where he can make these adjustments in game against a guy like Draymond Green who can make things so difficult for you defensively or offensively because his defense is just so elite and Pascal as great as he's been he's not that player yet that can take on that challenge if a team is game planning for him I don't know how great he is offensively to really take on that challenge and make the adjustments he needs to make and if he's not the second best player on the quarter the Raptors are going to lose. Like in game two, you had Fred Van Fleet, the second highest scorer on the team. You're not going to win finals games if Fred Van Fleet is the second highest scorer on the team. No no disrespect to him. It's just to the other guys. Like They have to step up. Like This has to be a collective effort. It can't be on one guy to do it the whole time. Yeah, and... You know, you can say the the same thing pretty much about the entire starting lineup minus Kawhi. And I think, Troy, this is what you were alluding to because... With Kyle Lowry, it seems that he's made, I don't want to say a concerted effort, but he's definitely approaching his game a little differently than he has in previous years, right? He's not relied on so much to score, at least in the regular season he wasn't, and he was starting to become more of a playmaker and a facilitator. Um, I think he needs to step up and sort of get out of that groove and channel like this old-school Lowry mentality that you know he's got to be at least consider himself to be a a primary option in the scoring realm because you're right if the Raptors are relying primarily on Kawhi Leonard iso ball yes Kawhi bringing it back to DeMar he's a much better player than DeMar but the game plan seems sort of similar to previous years right and that was a fault of the Raptors you're not going to win with iso ball so 
Yeah, I would like for their bench role players to step up. Siakam really needs to to be that dominant force and to really play physically like we've seen in previous games, especially against in the Milwaukee series. And, you know, bringing it back to, to Danny Green, who's kind of been a no-show throughout pretty much the majority of the playoffs, if not all of them. Um, if he's going to play this poorly and not be this, this reliable 3 and D player, then I don't know. I'm kind of at the point where I would like to see a little bit more of Norman Powell. Norman Powell has proven to not be shook in these high pressure moments and really wants to take advantage of the challenge. And that's sort of a guy that I would like to see on the floor. No, he's not as good as a defender as Danny Green, but he's still pretty good. Like he, he I, I still trust him enough to make these defensive decisions that aren't going to create detriments for the Raptors. So I kind of want to, maybe that's a coaching thing too. Maybe that's something that Nick nurse needs to do is to tug the leash a little bit more and to really not give these veteran players ropes and just go with what's working on the floor. Because if, if, you're going to allow these veteran guys to establish these detriments. I just don't see how they're going to win, especially against a team like Golden State. Um, well, with Norman Powell, like I've been preaching this all year, he is one of the few Raptors on the roster that can create his own offense. Uh, they don't have a lot of guys that can do that outside of Kawhi. Uh, even in some respects, Siakam can, is, can be limited in, in that regard. So I'd like to see more Norman Powell as well because he was – like he had a few moments in that game where he, I didn't, I haven't seen him get up that high throughout the whole season. So uh, that yeah. big dunk he had. So, um, you know, Nick Durs has to ride that momentum. Like Norman Powell, there was a game against the Bucks where he took 18 shots. Like I need, I, I doesn't necessarily have to take that many shots, but I want him to be that aggressive, especially if he has a matchup like Steph Curry on him. Uh, you know what I mean? Cause again, it's just going to lead to more scoring uh, options, more, trips to the free throw line, just better play from an aggressive power. My one concern with Powell, and I'm not dis- like I'm not really disagreeing with what you guys are saying because Danny Green hasn't been playing that great, obviously. Right. But is Powell going to help with the spacing on the floor offensively? Like Danny Green, if he's not hitting, you're still going to guard him pretty much at the three-point line. If pass- with Norman, you don't know he's not that consistent and has been that consistent this season to be that big of a threat on the three-point line. And one thing the Warriors are doing defensively is really like cl- cl- clouding the paint. So with the spacing for the Raptors, I don't know how much that's going to work in a benefit offensively, but I do agree. Like defensively, he, he can, he can potentially give you more than Danny Green's give you right now. It's just, I got to see how that spacing is going to work out first, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't disagree. I can totally see that. And again, like you want to have reliable three-point shooters and you want to have, uh, I guess the veteran presence matter. But with Norman Powell, I just think that he just offers a little bit more on offense than Danny Green would. And I think, Troy, this is what you were saying. Like when Danny Green puts the ball on the floor and he's driving to the... Yes, dude. Yes, I'm (laughs) white-knuckling my fucking couch. And I'm thinking like this is... It's so sloppy. Like it's almost as bad as like watching JV dribble up the ball a few times. <laughs> I, actually, prefer, I actually prefer JV in that yeah, scenario. I was going to say, this might be a little bit worse. Um, so, Whereas if Norman Powell's posting up, yeah, it's not ideal, but at least he can control the ball and he can establish his footing just a little bit better, if not a lot better, than Danny Green. So I just think that if Danny Green's not hitting his threes, I don't see the defensive jump from Norman Powell to Danny Green to be that severe. And in that aspect, I'd rather just have the scoring because, again, you don't want Golden State to go on these runs. Um, so I, I don't know. I just think I, I'm not advocating for Norman Powell to start by any means. But if Danny Green's coming out cold, you got to pull that leash a little bit quicker. 
One thing about Nurse that he does, he is loyal to his guys. Yeah. So it would be interesting if he's going to make that adjustment by giving Norman Powell more minutes in the NBA Finals. So it'll be interesting to see, but I'm not disagreeing with anything you guys are saying. It's just, I just don't know if Nurse is the type of guy that's really going to make that type of adjustment. I feel like that would be not a dramatic adjustment, but to take out that veteran experience, that finals experience, and that threat, potential threat, it could be a big of a jump for him, in my opinion. But I like to see him sprinkle in a little bit more of Patrick McCaw, too. Like we saw some mm-hmm. great in game one, uh, hit a big three, played some pretty good defense. Like he doesn't have to play like 20 minutes by any stretch, but you sprinkle him in a, a little bit in there. He's a guy that's played with Golden State. Like he's, he's, been in the finals every year he's been in the league so you know young player doesn't get a lot of run but you know i i for some odd reason i kind of trust him in the moment just because of the experience which i think matters big you know and he's motivated he obviously doesn't leave with a on good terms with the warriors right yeah and you know if he's playing seven maybe ten tops minutes a game just to spell out the offense just to give a little bit of break and to give Golden State a different look I'm sure they're familiar with him obviously because he's played for them but I I don't know man if 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 whatever it takes to give these players a rest and also OG and Anobly hopefully he's like on the come up and on the up and up to come back in game three because Yes, I don't trust the offensive production, especially after being out for so long. But if anything, man, I would like to see him for the defensive presence because, as I've mentioned before, having the experience of going toe-to-toe with LeBron James in a playoff situation, and he did it well, uh, I think that's very valuable. And if he's able to go, you have no choice but to fire him up. Now, see, the only the only worry I have with OG is, is that you had this big layoff due to injury, um, or do the medical situation rather, and right. you're just kind of being dumped into the NBA Finals now. This is what we saw with Demarcus Cousins in Game One, and why I thought he didn't play so well is because there's just a different speed to the game in the NBA Finals compared to even the first two rounds of the playoffs. So to throw him in there in some tight moments, I think, is a pretty tough ask. I think OG gets some run if the game gets out of hand on either side. That's when. It's a good idea, in my opinion, just to give him some run, get him used to the speed of the game. You know, you you touch the court in the finals. Now it's like, okay, that first initial wave of anxious uh, anxiousness kind of gets over with. Um, but OG, if he was, you know, already playing and heading into this playoff run, he'd be very useful in this series. Sure, you know you're taking away Jeremy Lin's minutes. Just by being like that. Listen, man, Jeremy Lin... Like probably besides Kawhi, he probably has the number two selling jersey in, in Toronto right now. Are you serious? My guy can't buy him. He can't buy it. Pro- probably. I wouldn't doubt it, man. Like when he was when word came that he was coming here, it was pretty big. Like a lot of people were hype. Um, Pacific Mall, I'm pretty sure, ordered up those jerseys. <laughs> um, Actually, to, to our- a lot of love <laughs> in Golden State because when he played there yeah. too, like the Asian community sure. is pretty strong out there. But it's just we're, we're coming sure. on track. I just. I mean, I there are there are a lot of people out there that are huge, huge Jeremy Lin stands, and I'm just like I oh, I don't see he it. Has more stands. He has more stands than some of the players on the team right now that actually produce it. Probably no. I was saying I got into a Twitter beef once because I was saying I just don't see the value in him playing, and my God, that was the biggest fucking mistake to say on Twitter because the <laughs> amount of heat 
that I got from people. They're like, what are you talking about? This is Jeremy Lin. I'm just like, bro, like, you know, Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet are pretty good. Yeah, but this is Jerry Lynn. I'm like, all right, man, whatever. I just kind of stopped and just let the hate flow. People don't realize, like, how long was Lin Sa- How long ago was Lin Sanity? Like, 10 years ago? 2012. 2012. 2012. See, it seems like 10 years ago. Like, he's, even when he played in Brooklyn after he got hurt, he's just not the same player anymore, man. Like, much respect to the guy. Like, you know, you give him a few minutes here and there, but... I don't think he should get big minutes in the NBA Finals at all. <laughs> no, no, he's not, I was just making that joke about OG played in garbage oh. time to get his to get his rhythm going. Play, I don't play, play, actually serious about that. Oh, okay, play play him together, man. Play him together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's either really, really good or really, really bad if Jeremy Lin's on the floor for the Raptors at the moment. You know, um, but yeah, I I just think we're bringing it back to to OG. Um, I do think that there is a situation in which he'd be valuable, maybe for the amount of time that we are suggesting Patrick McCall play, maybe for yeah. like that seven to 10 minute range that he can be it. Cause I by no means think he can be a scorer, but you know, much like DeMarcus cousins, maybe he has this little spark of energy being in the moment, being in the NBA finals. I don't know. Maybe that can motivate the kid to, to be that presence that can shut someone down, you know, in the moment, you never know. And he has he has that athleticism too. Like let's not forget that he's one of their most athletic players. Yeah, athletically, I think he's still like his his defense because of the athleticism would, would be more impactful in the game than his offense. I I hope so, man. I I just at this point I'm ready for Nurse to sort of expand the roster as much as possible. Obviously, it's contingent on whether OG is ready. Um, it, he did dress, so that seems like he's trending in the the correct direction, but with the amount of bodies that golden state has um, you sort of want to match that and you don't want to run your starters like 38 to 40 minutes a night. It, it just might not be the way to go, especially after game three, you only have one day of rest to recover. Yeah. Shout out to Curry. Like he played 11 guys in game two. Yeah. Yeah. Like strength and numbers definitely showed it tight in that game. Right. Um, speaking of nurse, what do you guys think about the boxing one? Because that's been getting a lot of a lot of play the past couple of days. A lot of people are, well, the Warriors specifically are kind of ripping him for that. Um, I thought it was genius. I don't know if this is biased, but I kind of thought it was genius, man. Like, you got to throw everything at this team, and you know it seemed to work. Right, and the Warriors went five minutes in that la- the last five minutes of the fourth quarter until he hit that shot without yeah. hitting a jumper because of that defense. So, I mean, let the Warriors complain all they want. Let people complain all they want. It was effective, clearly, and it's something they should definitely show again in Game Three. Do you think that would be their primary defensive scheme? If Clay Thompson's hurt, I think it would be. Like, if Clay Thompson doesn't no. play, then I think it would be because then <laughs> offensively, it's just Cur, uh, Curry that you really got to focus on, right? Right. I don't. That, and he runs the whole system. And it's funny because hearing the Warriors talk about it, it's something they haven't seen since high school. <laughs> so it's like, that's not. I, do you think like they're in the? You think they're in the film room? Like, yo, we got to break down this box and one. Like they're probably like, yo, man, this is this is baby food. Like we. <laughs> we grew up beating this beating this defense like we're gonna pay attention really um i don't they definitely should he definitely should not make that their primary defense at all you sprinkle it in here and there but the thing about golden state is you know they have the championship talent but they also have the championship iq they're too smart they're gonna they're gonna find a way to 
you know, combat that somehow. You can't run it out there for big stretches at a time, in my opinion, anyway. Well, see, that's interesting. When we talk about the defense and how valuable it is, especially against a team like Golden State, it might, and this maybe lends credence to what I said about tugging the leash a little bit uh, quicker when it comes to nurse and substitutions. Um, I don't know. A lot of people are talking up how well Fred Van Vliet has defended Curry and how how he's limited. He, you're not going to completely neutralize Steph Curry. It's just not going to happen. But if you can at least minimize the production that he has in this playoff run, uh, that's a positive thing. So maybe in terms of a defensive matchup, maybe a Van Vliet exclusively on Curry not to start the game, but you know, thereafter that might be yeah. beneficial because he he's able to keep up with them. Um, Curry runs a lot. He moves a lot. And the the name of his game when he's not jacking threes is that he wants to draw contact. Fred Van Vliet, to his credit, hasn't really been biting on it. And so if if you want to limit the production, maybe that's the answer to have Van Vliet on the floor when Curry is. Because the offense for Fred Van Vliet, I got it's you know, ever since Junior has been born, it's been pretty good. So both sides of the ball, <laughs> he's a valuable commodity for this team right now. So so wait, 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 wait. Are you saying are you saying that Fred Van Vliet is the curry stopper? I'm not saying he's a stopper. He's Delva Dova two point Yeah. Yeah. He's like the curry semi stopper. <laughs> he's the he's he's the roti to the curry. He's wrapping him up. Yeah. Okay. This guy. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> He's like the scotch tape. He's not the duct tape. He's the scotch tape. So he's he's almost great. See, I'm worried about because we're talking about the Warriors being championship caliber team and they're smart and their IQs out this roof. Steph Curry is a great player. He's a great offensive player. He's going to crack that code of Fred Van Fleet eventually. You think so? I think I think he's going to. I don't think Fred Van Fleet scares him, uh, which is the reason why he was his leg. It's not the end of the world after he lost game one, and he still dropped like thirty something points in game one when even though Van Fleet was. He didn't score that all against Van Fleet, but he's still getting up his numbers. So I think if Van Fleet was on him exclusively, Curry was going to crack that code. And in my opinion, like he, he's too great offensively. He's one of the greatest offensive players we've ever seen. I don't think Fred Van Fleet. That's, but I've also like slandered Van Fleet all year. <laughs> so my you know, couple of- <laughs> my worry is that Steph Curry is somewhere listening to you know hopefully listening to this podcast but also listening to all the other uh media members talk up fred Vliet and his defense against him i I could just see this guy just like listen this is not going to be the narrative of the finals of fred van vliet locking me up (laughs) so at some like like at some point and this is no disrespect to fred like i'm as adrian said he's um spent a lot of time uh taking a big giant dump on fred me on the other hand i kind of you know, I respect Fred a lot, and I like I like his game, and I like his style, so I defend him a lot. But um, you guys look alike. Definitely don't look alike. <laughs> <laughs> definitely don't look alike. Listen, I I don't got the beard. Okay, I can't do the beard. Um, <laughs> but um, my thing is just like the greatness of Steph Curry. At some point, is going to be like really this guy. This is the guy who's you're saying is stopping me. So I just I just kind of want you know. The everybody else from here on out to just let's let's just quiet down the Fred on Steph talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I I don't think it's it's an exclusive thing. Perhaps yeah, maybe yeah. that was a little over no, embellished. I hear you. 
you know, but I, I just think that any defensive advantage that you can get, you know, because um, I just don't know that, like, say, a, a Danny Green has the cardio strength to keep up with Curry, right? Like, he, Danny sure. Green's walking around like a T-Rex, just, like, cobbled. It seems like something's <laughs> definitely wrong with him, and I, I just need to see more of a defensive presence, especially on, on Curry, because if Clay is not 100%, and they're putting him out on the floor tomorrow as, like, sort of a decoy role, you gotta take. You can't let Curry get go off. You just can't because you know in the fourth quarter in Game Two, the opportunity was right there for the Raptors, right there. And if if Curry is going to be the primary scorer plus Green, I don't know. I think that any advantage that you can you can take against them, go for it. Do you know how many shots Steph Curry took in the fourth quarter in Game Two? No, I don't. Zero. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Zero shots in the fourth quarter. Like I tend to get on LeBron, but if LeBron took zero, zero, zero shots in the fourth quarter, we'd be ripping him. But the game would be over. Adrian would have, Adrian but, have an hour-long podcast talking about LeBron. Not Tiger <laughs> shot. But the Raptors, obviously, they focused their defense around Steph Curry because at that point, obviously, there's no Durant and Klay Thompson was out. Right? So they that's another that's a big reason why Steph probably didn't take a shot because there's other guys that were open because everyone was focused on him. You know, I kind of agree with that as well. And it's just going to be interesting to see how they, you know, do they do they keep Fred on him for a majority of the time? Do they try and give him different looks? You know, we saw with Kawhi, it's a collection of Iguodala, Draymond, and Clay taking shots at him, and so that to me, the only the only issue with Steph is that you said he runs around, so it's not advantageous to put Kawhi on him, right? Because again, Kawhi's just going to get tired as he's probably exhausted as is. Uh, so there's only a few players that can really you know keep up with Steph. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Nick Nurse does. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Yeah, especially because Kawhi right now, um, obviously you're not going to hear it from the team, but rumor has it that he's dealing with uh, knee tendonitis. So that's not a good recipe to be running around with one of the quickest players and craftiest players in the NBA. It's not going to be a recipe that's going to work for this team, especially for Kawhi Leonard, because the last thing you want is to see him get into foul trouble. Because if he's you know carrying four or five fouls going into the third quarter, I do not like where the Raptors are at. So um, let's just jump into it. Let's jump into game three and we can wrap it up. Um, okay. Again, we we consider every game in the finals to be sort of must win. How important is it for the Raptors to take game three? Because if they cough this one up and fall to a 2-1 deficit with another game in Golden State, only a day of rest in between, I don't know. My hopes for the Raptors winning this championship are a little bit dimmer. So the combination of not having KD, Clay being hobbled, Looney being out for the pretty much the remainder of the finals, the Raptors are ripe for this opportunity. They got to take advantage. So uh, Troy, we'll start with you. How important do you think this game is and what are your predictions for game three? Out of 10, I'd probably say it's 25. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and, And it's pretty much as you said, because, you know, there's so many there's so many pieces that are compromised for the Warriors right now that you have to take advantage. And especially with uh, Clay hobbled in particular, if he's not at his peak performance, like that to me, that's probably one of their, if not their most important player, just because he, he just gives them that extra safety valve. Right. So, right. And also if, you know, we saw, we saw Kevin Durant in that video, but if he does play in game four, 
I know it's going to send shockwaves throughout Raptors fans. They're they're going to be a bit more scared. So I just think for just to have that ins- that little buffer of insurance, they definitely need to win uh, game three because again, the Kawhi's hobbled. The more rest he gets, he obviously plays better. But there's a, only what forty eight hours in between game uh, three and game four. Right. So if it's a tight game and he's played, you know, thirty thirty five plus minutes. Um, Game four is going to be a a dogfight, and I'd rather them at least get that win out of the way and not have to worry about scratching and clawing just to get back in the series. So um, I definitely think, you know, this is their most important game so far. Adrian, what say ye? I'm of the mindset, if they lose game three, I still feel like they can come out of there with a split and win game four. But that being said, there's no excuse to lose tomorrow night or Wednesday night. You have Clay Thompson now, you have Looney, you have Duranto, Iguodala's hurt. The Raptors, the, all, all the cards are lining in their favor, besides the fact of being on the road. But one thing we learned about this team during this playoffs is that they face adversity and they, and they face it pretty strongly. And they've been down before in series and they've been through tough times and they've come out on top. So the Raptors, I'm not going to say they need to win tomorrow because I am of the mindset that they could still win game four, even if Durant comes back, which I don't think he will. But there's still no excuse to lose tomorrow because everything is lined up for them to win this game. Do you guys get the the feeling that the Kevin Durant? And this is just like as a, as a side. I agree that I don't think we're going to see him at the in the finals at all. But do you have this little itch in the back of your mind that this is a little bit of gamesmanship by Golden State? I can see that. Oh, definitely. I mean, you you want to keep them guessing, right. and if you can even give the team the prospect that Kevin Durant is going to suit up, then again, it just means that they have to spend time preparing for that. Definitely. And how much, how much does Kevin Durant, I, I'm not trying to say he doesn't want to play because I don't want to question his, his heart and how much he wants to win a championship, but he's going into free agency next, this off season. And he does not want to compromise anything, any, any part of his health. Right. So him having time off and just sitting this out works in his favor when he goes into free agency, because he's going to be more healthier than if he does play. Well, see, my my position with that is he's going to get paid and a contract no matter what. Like, regardless, it's a, it's a calf injury. In my opinion, I don't think it's his Achilles. I'm not a doctor. What the hell do I know? But I just don't think no, it's his Achilles. Really? I don't think it's Achilles at all. <laughs> um, so, I don't think it's Achilles at all right now. But if he comes back and plays and he, he irritates that calf, because your Achilles attaches to your calf. Right. But so, I, think what, I think what he's more concerned about is if he comes back when they're up in the series and they lose, what is that narrative going to, going to spell out to be, you know, it's been, it's been leading up that to this finals that they are better without Kevin Durant. So they're not better without Kevin Durant. I don't think so either, but a lot of people had been saying that. So if he comes back and they're up three, like three, one, let's say, and they blow that series, which I don't think they would, but if that were to happen, that would be disastrous for him. Well, it's not like um, the Warriors ever blown a three, one series before, <laughs> <laughs> but if, if, you know, um, Toronto wins tomorrow, they're up two one. And now he comes back game four and just, just clearly swings the entire series. He's going to look, be looked at even more as an elite player than he already is. Because the narrative is going to support that they're way better. Like, they need him to win the championship. It justifies him going there. Right. If that was the case. Yeah, I I just see... I, I don't know. 
I'm kind of hoping that we see him game four because I don't think he's at all ready. And if he's on the floor, I think that's the ultimate decoy. See, I, I, unlike you guys, I do think it's an Achilles injury because if okay. you watch the video of, of the warmups from Toronto, he was shooting feet planted on the ground like a chest pass to the basket. And it was just airball yeah. city and brick city. He did not oh, look no. right. And he can't even lift his leg. He can't even lift his other leg. Or maybe he's just trying to maintain like stationary ground. Maybe I'm just looking too much into it. But I, I don't know, man. I, I the, if Even if it's a calf injury that, ex, that affects your lateral movement, that affects your shooting, that affects your yeah. landing. You know, Toronto's playing very physically. And it wouldn't surprise me if they were a little bit extra physical against him just to sort of, you know, remove him from the situation. So I don't know. I, I think that especially with just a day in between of rest, if we're going to see him at all, it's probably not going to be until they come back to Toronto. That would be game five. Yeah. Right, game five. I mean, I hope we don't see him at all. Again, I, I'm with you. I don't think he comes back at, at all in this series. Mm. But And if he does come back, that just slows down the game even more. And, and like what we alluded to earlier on this pod is that a slowdown game, a slowdown pace is works in the Raptors' favor. What if, what if you just bring? What if you, they just bring him off the bench? They do some weird stuff and just say, "Hey, run a, Like when you're when you're out there, you're the guy. <laughs> Spell Clay and Steph and everyone else for a few minutes and just just jack them up. You know what I mean? But I don't know. Nah, they got to start him because they need the starters to to hide him a bit if he is really hurt, right? Yeah, that's why Cousin was so good because he was playing with the starters. The starters yeah. are good enough to hide Cousin's deficiencies defensively right. and and his lack of movement. So, all right. Well, uh, I I agree. I think the Raptors have to take this one. I have no choice but to say that you know predict rather that they will. The their cards are completely in their favor right now, as we've already established. Um, I think you guys are with me that you're predicting them to take this one given the situation. Um, I'm I'm on. I'm actually not. <laughs> oh okay. Oh this is, um, okay. I think that. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I think that, and I hate I hate for this to happen, but I think that Golden State will come on top, man. Like Adrian said, there's no excuse, but I think sometimes um, excuses can turn into reasons, and the reason that they would win is that this is a, che- a team um, that's been to the finals four out of five years, and despite you know being being some of their key pieces being hobbled and Kevin Durant being out, this is they still have that championship medal. Um, so I wouldn't, I just wouldn't be surprised if Golden State won this game. And I think, I think they're going to pull it out. Oh man. I know. I, I hate it. I really, <laughs> I really wish I didn't feel that way, but I, I keep going back and forth and it's kind of what I keep going back to. I might not be able to walk the streets after this, man. I might oh, have to go man. south of the six. <laughs> <laughs> Come down to New England, man. It's not that much better. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You'll never get that championship vibe though. I mean, the way yeah, they went down there. but they put it in your face, man. It's, yeah. You know? I guess so. <sighs> I still didn't think he won game four. I'm not to like to go back on this. I still didn't think he won game four if he lose game three. Okay. All right. I, I still have faith. It'll be tougher, but I still have faith. But there's no excuse to, to me to lose game game three. There's too many things working in the Raptors' favor. And move, they got to move the ball more. I mean, they get 15 or 17 assists in game two versus 25 in game one. Yeah, it's not enough. Like The Raptors got to move the ball. It's just easy defense for the Warriors. And that, that's an elite team defensively. Well, the the stat of the the quote of media day has come from Kyle Lowry in that he says um, he hasn't been aggressive and he plays better on the road and he always has. So Kyle Lowry's talking big. Well, he has to. He's gonna pay thirty million dollars, <laughs> <laughs> averaging ten averaging ten points in the finals. 
You better talk that money talk, Kyle. Let's go. <laughs> I don't need these miscellaneous miscellaneous awards that people give them for playing like like a bulldog and all that stuff. Bulldog, I need, I need bulldog award. Perform like the all-star you want to be and you claim to be. That's right. That's right. Or else we're gonna put Jeremy Lennon. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez. That, that's where it's come down to. <laughs> All right. Well, having said that, um, I'm, I'm hoping that they do pull out game three, but you're right, it, Adrian. I think it, it really just hinges on them taking one out of the two on the road. So hopefully that they can take this one while the opportunity is in front of them. Um, I predicted Raptors winning this in seven. Um, I, that might be bold. I don't know. But if they can take this one tomorrow, I think we're heading towards that direction because I think after that in game four, Golden State will be out for blood. And I do think this is going to take a lot of physical physicality from the Raptors. And with the day, as we've been saying in between to rest, probably not going to have enough to get back and get right. So having said that I have Raptors in seven. Uh, do you guys want to lay out your predictions for the entire series? If you want, go ahead. I got Raptors in seven as well. Uh, to split this, split these games in Golden State, come back home, and the Raptors. I, then they got home court advantage again, and I think the Raptors will get it done. Just home home game wins throughout for the rest of it. After they split, yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured. What about you, Troy? Yeah, I, I echo that. I definitely have Raptors in seven, even though my pathway for them getting there doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I still think I still think that they will win in seven. Sorry, just to say, there's no way, and I'll put money on this, there's no way the Raptors win any game six. No matter if it's the closeout game or the Warriors, the closeout game for the Raptors or Warriors, they're not winning the last game in Oracle. Okay. Why not? Nah, I think that's going to be a different vibe. But it's the last game. I mean, the last time time Golden State lost their championship was on the Oracle floor. They're leaving. This is the last game ever played in Oracle, game six. Right, because they're getting new stadium. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. That's what you mean. They're not losing. The Warriors are not losing the last game ever played in Oracle. Oh man, now you want you make me want that now. That would be (laughs) so awesome for the Raptors, and that would be. Imagine that in Raptors lore and Raptors history throughout. Like they retired the Oracle with the championship. You might as well. You might as well retire the team because what. Like we'll just be talking about that forever. That's it. You might as well just. You might as well, That's all we need. Like no more. Just. Just. Time. I'm all for it. If that happens, Drake can do whatever the hell he wants. I'm all for it. If he, if they, that happens, they could. They win the championship at Oracle at Game Six. Drake do whatever the hell you want, no matter where you are. I'm all for it. Speaking of Drake, we better see him out in Oracle, man. As Adrian, as Adrian's saying, like you, you need to keep that same energy, buddy. Keep. I need to see that that same trolling game. I need to see the the hoodies. I need to see the the demonstrative attitude, all that stuff out in Oracle. Don't shy away just because now you're in the states, okay? Because you know Nav's going to be down there. Oh yeah, Nav's definitely going to yeah. be down there. So Drake, you better show your face and represent for us down there. Keep that same energy both both uh, ends of the coast. But he won't be courtside. I don't think. Like it wouldn't surprise me if if Golden State sort of they probably won't let him. Yeah, exactly. Like he wouldn't be in camera view. He wouldn't be courtside. It would be such a fucking troll job on the other way if they put him in like the five hundred levels way up. <laughs> oh, he'll definitely hear from the fans out there. Those Oakland fans. I don't think Drake wants that smoke. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm definitely saying. Not. So I mean, like that'd be awesome for him. That'd be an awesome flex if if the Raptors were winning and he was up there. Just just doing his thing that that takes balls but at the same time man i just i don't see them giving him the respect of having courtside seats maybe like mid-tier sort of like where obama was sitting for the raptors game like right sort of in the middle of it oh yeah i can see that well e40 had courtside seats in toronto hmm. 
One thing about one thing about Obama. Are, are we ready to start the Obama curse? Nah, man. One game. <laughs> one game, man. I can't disrespect Obama. Obama. Yeah, you yeah. Can. I, 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 lo- I love Obama, but I don't know if I want to see you at another Raptor game, bro. <laughs> Well, you know, no, Jay Cole was there, so you can say Jay Cole was the reason. He was sitting behind the Raptors bench. Oh, wow. Call it the silver court curse. He was like staring at the refs and being like, Yeah, Adam Silver's on the Raptors. Okay, <laughs> we can put it on silver. I'll do that. We'll take that then. No way they're getting a fucking Christmas Day game, not on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I can't top that, so we'll wrap it up here. Um, this is your time to shine. Um, you guys can go individually, together, whatever you want to do. I know you guys are super active on Instagram. I love it. Um, you got your podcast. It's on SoundCloud, iTunes, all of that. Go for it. Floor is yours. Promote any and everything you got. Go for it. Go ahead, Adrian. No, you can take it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, as always, man, hit us up on at Guards on IG. Um, we always have a ton of fan engagement on there. We try to, you know, ask you guys some different questions and we'll answer back from time to time as well. We're getting a bit more, we should call it PC in our responses. I'm not uh, going off on you guys as I did before. I used to get some <laughs> threats, man. Some guys used to really go off. Um, but, yeah, like, hit us up on at Guards IG. You can get me on Instagram. I'm pretty much solely on Instagram at uh, Roy with uh, underscore. Uh, T, and that's pretty much it, man. Hit us up on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, you get me on Instagram at Chetty and on Twitter, Adrian Chetty. Bring me all the smoke. All the smoke. I'll have all the smoke. I'll have the links <laughs> to all those in the description of the show. Highly recommend following them on IG. It is uh, very entertaining and insightful, I have to say. Um, so, guys, look, this has been for me kind of long overdue. I've been following you on Instagram for a while, and I'm thinking to myself, I, I kind of kicking my own ass for waiting to the playoffs. But I, I appreciate you guys coming on. We should do this again, and uh, let's win game three. Definitely. Thank you so much for this opportunity, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, man. Can't thank you enough, man. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors. Thank you.